This is the Real Estate Guru 254 podcast and we are just coming up on episode number 13. True story about the number 13. So, I grew up in the days when the safari rally in Kenya was a thing. <laughs> but sita wambia lini kaini hapo speculating about my age. Anyway, the first time I ever had anything about the number 13 was when I noticed from one year to the next, there was never a car in the safari rally that carried the number 13. So car numbers, you know, for boys, car numbers for the safari rally were really important to us boys, you know. I once wondered out loud about why there were no number 13 cars. And it was the first time I heard about the number 13 being unlucky. It was also the first time I had an encounter with the notion of superstition. To date, I have never understood why the number 13 is scoffed at, but I always encounter it with some sort of fear or trepidation. It's like that number you never want to just randomly uh, find anywhere. You know, they've made movies about Friday the 13th. And of course, those movies just had to be horrors. There are so many other stories associated with the number. But I digress. <laughs> Let's bring it back to today's episode. My name is David Batia, founder of Real Estate Guru. Thank you for being here and listening in on these conversations we're having. Again, if you're new here, Karibu Sana. Our goal with this podcast is to inform, educate, and inspire, develop new perspectives on the real estate market. So stick around. Hope you know you'll pick up some information that will be beneficial to you. Today's episode is part two of this season's trilogy based on the theme, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As it is the second part of the trilogy, I will be telling you about a personal experience that left me questioning humanity, uh, myself included. I know that at some level, there is a whole demographic of podcast listeners who like to feel that they have some sort of personal connection with the host of the podcast they listen to. I mean, it's one thing to be relatable and to sound perhaps like you might actually know what you're talking about, but I also know that people feel a deeper sense of connection to anything when they find someone who will willingly share some of their best and worst experiences. I'm not trying to trick you guys, but I would like my listeners to get to know me somewhat, even though I regard myself as a fairly private individual. For many of my personal friends, I know that there is an understanding that while I am an open book, there are also parts of me that are fiercely private. In any path one chooses, there will always be discovery, some good and some perhaps not so good, right? And, you know, our humanity includes the collective of the sum total of our experiences, both those that are positive, you know, as well as those that aren't. Some of these experiences are brutal, painful, you know, but along the way, one of the abilities I have personally developed is the ability to laugh on myself and perhaps never take any negative experience too seriously. Um, the truth is that bad things happen, but if we can take the lessons and create some positivity out of the whole experience, then I think we still win. I'll save you. And of course, like I told you guys, in the first part of the trilogy in episode 3. While I talk about the negative things that happen in this space, I would really rather you focus more on the lesson rather than on the story itself because there are lessons from everything that we go through. Before we dig into it though, I have another gratitude shout out to a man called Mbithi. He and I traveled a great distance together. Um, we had a relationship that was what I'd describe as on and off for a period of about seven years. 
And, you know, we, we came this great distance along the way until he sabotaged the relationship. I say he sabotaged it because that is the truth. I still think that he and I could have done great things together, but I realized that that wasn't meant to be, you know. Have you guys ever had a person in your life that you walked with and then, you know, the promise of going a great distance together, you know, seemed uh, very real until one of you, maybe you or the other person, chose to be unfaithful to the journey, you know. For me, that was beefy. I know you guys are wondering why the hell would I even offer any gratitude to him, right? Again, this goes back to what I'm trying to teach, that the good and the bad, they collide. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that you walk away from an experience and say it was all bad. So, well, honestly, about me, thing, I can offer him gratitude because I can credit him also with a lot of who I have become in this space. He is the one who motivated me to aggressively develop my knowledge of this industry. And he helped me shape a lot of my perspectives in the real estate space. Another thing, you know, he also helped me to recognize and perhaps even appreciate very early the person I would never have wished to become as I navigate this industry. So I don't want to take negative experiences and die with them. Like literally, I think that's one of the things that happens to many people. You take something negative and you can't move past it. Now, I know what you guys are thinking, that perhaps I'm also being condescending or even cocky or maybe even a snide. And the truth is, I'm a human being, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe I am, maybe a little, right? But really, I am being also honest. Sometimes the best lessons we gather and learn along the way are never apparent at the moment we are going through them. And often, you know, they don't come from where we would expect them to come from. In this industry, I have discovered that, you know, it is important to be equally thankful for discovering who we don't want to become as it is for discovering who we want to become. My expression of gratitude um, is actually twofold, therefore. You know, Mbithi taught me uh, both those lessons. <laughs> and truthfully, if that isn't offering value, then I don't know what is. There is both irony and truth in my statements, as there is in a negative experience. You know, don't judge me. So, Bithi, wherever you're listening to this from, thank you for all the lessons, good and bad. Honestly, uh, more good than bad. One of the lessons I learned uh, from Bithi is that ultimately we must choose whether you know the pursuit of money is worth sacrificing our meaningful relationships and turning them into transactional ones. I choose to give my gratitude to him because as I share my experience with you today, I want you to appreciate that many experiences in this industry also tend to be a mixed bag of both good and bad. Real estate tends to evoke a lot of emotions. So I think if you can attempt to take away something positive, as I said earlier, from going through a bad experience, especially if you can live to fight another day, then nothing was lost. Yeah. So in this story, I will share a very common experience that property agents face, that they often go unpaid for their labor, even when they have worked uh, diligently for their clients. There are many scenarios in which this happens, but most often it happens when clients just squelch on meeting their obligations to property agents. And this tends to be one of the most common experiences that many property agents face. Okay, so here we go. Sometime in 2019, I believe it was, yeah, January 2019, I got a random call from a lady called Esther, which went a little bit like this. Hello, my name is Esther. I am looking to purchase land for agricultural purposes. And ideally, I am looking for da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And she goes on to give a description. She wanted a property in the range of 20 acres, uh, preferably something within what uh, is technically called a high potential or medium potential agroecological zone. And when you want to ski that's a highlands or somewhere with a high altitude and, and good rainfall <laughs> and within a very specific radius of the city of Nairobi. Uh, in addition, you know, she also required the property to be within proximity to a natural water source and preferably, of course, the property would also have uh, red soil. So I took on the challenge of finding the property that she was looking for. Initially, you know, placing some calls to a couple of property agent friends of mine. Um, but I was very tentative about seeking <laughs> out the property for this client for a couple of reasons. One being that while we had made initial contact via email when she first contacted me, and initially the tone of her message was very friendly, you know, as you would expect of one making a request, it subsequently, you know, after I initially responded, it subsequently became uh, very demanding. Demanding and in the sense of we didn't even have a contract in place yet. Um, almost as if I owed her. So at this juncture in the process of agency, all she was, all she was at the time was a prospect. And in addition, you know, she had not commissioned the search. So she had requested one, but she hadn't commissioned one. And as a prospect, I really didn't have any obligation uh, towards her. Anyway, I went ahead, uh, sent her some prospective offers for her perusal. And, you know, I did so really just to gauge her level of intent with perhaps the view of ascertaining down the road whether she was what we call a serious buyer, whether she was just kicking the tires. Um, and, you know, the, the nature of the work that agents do can be quite exhausting. Searching for what a prospective client may want when it is not clear that, one, you have potential offers that you could present to them. Secondly, whether you actually have a contract in place with the, with the prospect. And, you know, and without ascertaining whether the person you're working for is willing to pay you for your time and effort, the effort will end up being like chasing the wind. In our market, you know, a lot of agents work without the surety of payment since commissions are invariably paid by the seller. In this case, the person who has approached me is a prospective buyer. And very rarely, if ever, do, do you find buyers who are willing to pay a commission to agents. That is also why you find that many uh, letting agents, for example, charge showing fees just to cover the cost of their time and attention in meeting the needs of their prospective clients. In this case, you know, our agreement is a gentleman's agreement, which was later discussed after the initial showing. And we did our initial showing, I think this was mid-February 2019. So one of the things we had discussed was indemnification for costs incurred in the process of the search if a suitable property was not found. Or alternatively, a buyer's commission based on the agreed price, you know, in the case that we were able to close. And so I did have those in writing from this particular prospect. The issue with, the, <laughs> with indemnification is that costs will have already been incurred, right? And as, you know, I would quickly find out the prospect was a very dishonest person alongside her husband. So a couple of weeks later, Esther and I finally meet up in person on a Saturday morning to scout some properties. Uh, on that day, she also showed up with her brother and her husband, Joe, in tow. You know, as they were all somewhat invested, I think, in the same endeavor together. So I should mention that 
In advance of that trip, I had taken the time and gone ahead with another property agent uh, by the name Naomi to scout all the properties that we actually initially showed them on that first meeting. So in all, that week alone, Naomi and I covered you know, a little over a thousand kilometers just to ensure that we would confirm the particulars of the properties we were going to show reliable agents. Cover the ground before you go doing any showings. Even when uh, you may be partnering with other agents or don't have a direct access to the seller or the property, right? On our first meeting, you know, two more concerns uh, showed up. Now, of course, these concerns are going to show up about Esther and her husband, Joe. And those concerns, you know, came up rather unexpectedly as these things tend to happen, yeah? So, the first concern was that at each stop we made, Esther was making every attempt she could to cuddle up with whoever she thought was actually the seller of the property or whoever she may have imagined that would give her access to that person, to whoever was selling the property. She was trying to be as covert as she could possibly be, probing every other stranger she came across to attempt to verify the information that we had provided her. You know, and she was making no bones of this at some point. The problem with this sort of behavior is that it undermines the agents who have organized the showing and it, and it immediately erodes trust. So unfortunately for her, it would also inadvertently place her in the awkward position of not being taken seriously, even by the people who she's trying to approach. Since even the sellers, you know, tend to disrespect prospective buyers when they may seem, you know, when they seem to be ignoring their hosts. So, you know, Joe, her husband, <laughs> was in the meantime making very concerted effort to distract both Naomi and I whenever Esther uh, was seeking to probe. Clearly, we were going to have challenges reigning in uh, this sort of behavior. So the second concern came up on the final leg of our journey when, you know, in an attempt to understand their need, I probed a little bit more on some of the specifics for the land use that they had in consideration. What did they want to grow on their property, that sort of thing. But they wanted to remain sketchy on the details. Esther went ahead to tell me some rambling stories about their faith, but it was a remark I think that she made that, you know, actually it was a question she posed to me when I mentioned that I am also of the Christian faith that really threw me off. She actually asked me, it is verbatim, how do you call yourself a Christian when you do the sort of work that you do? Uh, alluding to the possibility that the Christian faith is not reserved for property agents as if we were, you know, somewhat too dirty to be found within the sanctity of the church. <laughs> now, <laughs> you guys can imagine my shock at hearing this question. First of all, it had nothing to do with anything. Certainly not anything we were attempting to undertake with each other. If we were just to immerse ourselves in the transaction, right? Secondly, even, who even says such judgmental things? To hear such a remark from a fellow follower of Christ was just dumbfounding. So I proceeded to ask, you know, which other careers or occupations she thought were unqualified to be, quote-unquote, in the fold of Christ, to which, you know, she alluded that perhaps lawyers and politicians were in that ilk, and then followed through, you know, by mentioning that I knew several people who were practicing Christians, um, who are also politicians and lawyers, and that perhaps all of, not all of us, despite the filth of our chosen labors, were perhaps dirty people. Uh, obviously, she scoffed and went on to make some sort of apology justifying her position, but 
all that did was to just infuse more doubts into whether I wanted to work with them or not. And she was doing this within earshot of, of her husband because we were in the car riding together, right? So what concerned me even more was that neither of them was giving away any sense of themselves, not at a personal level. So you'd have, you imagine that you spent a whole day with someone, but they were walled off. There's not something I can say that I know about them, except the things that I've picked up. So it seems strange to me that you want to know personal things about the person that you're entrusting to work with you, but you're unwilling to share anything uh, about yourself. Uh, maybe that's just me, I don't know. Except for the rudimentary internet search, I would never have known <laughs> anything about Joe, you know, that he was involved in the media industry or that he had been in the financial services industry somewhere in his past. And to this day, I know nothing about Esther except possibly that she may have been a housewife and that she hailed from somewhere in Machakos County. And except for a phone call that they received uh, on one occasion when I was with them, I would never have known that they had a daughter or that one of them had had a job outside of Kenya. I didn't know and I never asked, but they probed about me and I willingly shared. And then to receive that sort of myopic judgment that Esther threw my way, it seemed far-fetched, but you know, there it was, right? So subsequently, we made a couple more trips. At the end of the day, I'm thinking about this in terms of business. And eventually, we found a property that was ideal. Each trip on my part was preceded by, of course, preceded by the preliminary investigations on the properties. I eventually took them to see. I would actually physically go to see the properties before uh, we did any showings. Those preliminaries, like I said, invariably, you know, involved uh, trips to the properties and engagements with the, either with the sellers or the agents commissioned by the sellers. Unbeknownst to me, the property that Joe and Esther liked happened to be well within the jurisdiction of Esther's rural home. So following my visit with them to see the property <laughs> and in true form to their character, Joe and Esther proceeded to seek out the seller of the property and then, without my involvement, went ahead to negotiate terms without as much as an attempt at verifying the actual details of the property. And this ultimately led to a colossal blunder on their part, which cost both time and money. So here's the sequence of events that followed that particular visit. So we go on this trip, we visit the property on, on a Saturday and they confirmed that they would be interested in pursuing that particular offer. Uh, the property as it was presented to, to us was supposedly 16 acres in size. Prior to the showing, uh, I had been given the property price of 1.5 million, which was well within range for that particular market. I was to make contact with the seller the following week with a clear set of instructions from Joe and Esther that following Monday. Instead, they went completely silent. On Tuesday, I got a call from the property agent that I was working with, a fellow called William. According to him, Joe and Esther had somehow managed to reach out to him using local contacts. Remember that, like I said, the property is situated within uh, Esther's rural home, right? And William claims that they contacted him and he took them to see the owner of the property and that the price that was negotiated was 1.55 million, negotiated down from 1.7 million. When I inquired from William why the details on price were very different from what I had been informed, he implied that the differential was to 
quote unquote, take care of the interests of all agents, close quote. So clearly, Joe and Esther have decided to screw me over. Uh, naturally, William and I had words over his infidelity. Indeed, I had several questions for him. Why did you even agree to be involved in, the, in a negotiation? And how am I expected to take anything you say as honest and truthful, when in fact, you have already behaved dishonestly? So nothing happened the following day on Wednesday. Then on Thursday evening, after full <laughs> full four days of silence, uh, Joe called me. Initially, you know, profusely apologizing for the events as they had played out. Was I aware that they had gone and had a negotiation with a seller? You know, making great effort at blaming William for the turn of events, suggesting that it was he who contacted them and not the other way around and then thereafter uh, griping to me about the price that they were offered so for me when he and i were having this conversation it just felt completely disjointed i went on to present his and esther's glaring infidelity remember that these are christians who you know just stopped shy of accusing me of being dirty and unqualified to be a member of the body of christ dear father in heaven and then Pose the question to him thus, you know, so what, Joe, what are you expecting me to do now that you've already proceeded without my involvement as your agent? Why are you even calling me? There is nothing left for me to do. You've had a negotiation and I'm sure you have all that you need. So I proceeded to ask him to go ahead without me, to which he came back with more profuse apologies. At this point, all I want is to be indemnified for, for my work. Now, if you know anything about me, I like to see the things I start to their logical conclusion. In other words, I hate unfinished business. Granted, I didn't see a path to any logical conclusion here, but I did do something. I decided to pray about it. Um, Joe and Esther, after all, were my Christian uh, brother and sister, right? <laughs> so, long and short, as it turns out, the acreage, first of all, was 12 acres, not the 16 he was offering. Because four acres actually belonged to his father. His father was deceased and they were still under the preliminary stages of the succession process. And then eventually I managed to secure a price of 1.3 million per acre. That in itself is a story about uh, tenacity, which I will not speak about here today because uh, it involved a lot of antics. But in the end, the entire effort got wasted. Why? Well, there is a lot of wisdom in always putting the horse before the cart, especially in real estate transactions. Follow the process. If there's one thing I can take away that I learned from this and I would share with anybody is follow the process. When Joe and Esther went behind my back and had a negotiation on the property purely informed by the price that they were seeking, they omitted to do some of the most critical things that we do before you can engage with anybody, even before you have a negotiation. So as I mentioned, the acreage, first and foremost, was at least 25% less than what they could have legally purchased from the seller at the time. The seller, on his part, failed to make the most critical disclosures about the property, specifically that the property was encumbered by a bank charge and that it was not encumbered on its own. It was actually encumbered with several other properties. Given that Joe and Esther's complaint was not about acreage, not about encumbrances, not any other terms they were offered, but the complaint was specifically about price, 
And because the negotiation had already happened, what assumptions would any property agent have made? Any agent would have made, and rightfully so, made the assumption that Joe and Esther, obviously considering themselves to be perhaps more informed than I was, decided to proceed with the transaction either way. In other words, that they had full disclosure from the seller about the facts of the property. What neither of the two of them knew at that moment, again, was that the property, as I mentioned, was jointly charged with several other properties and even worse, to the extent the charge that was against those properties was there to the extent that any funds that Joe and Esther would have paid to actually purchase that property at the price that was negotiated would not have sufficiently covered the debt that needed to be discharged by the seller. And that unless the seller would have dispensed with the debt in full, the property would not have been transferred to them. So now, you know, we can blame each other until the cows come home. But the fact of it is that the deal fell through for two critical reasons. Material non-disclosure by the seller being the most fundamental of these. But, you know, I'm also sorry to say the sheer stupidity of Joe and Esther. Their desire, this desire that they had to manipulate the situation in their favor, whatever they deemed that to be, by undermining the very person who was looking out for their best interests. And they did this clearly with the intent of never paying me, nor reimbursing me. I had negotiated with them to pay me because I was working for them and not the seller. Joe and Esther didn't even indemnify me for my costs. And that's the bad part of this story. (laughs) Or for that matter, you know, engage with me any further. In fact, the last message I received from Joe was a text and I will quote what it said to you guys. I will call you back. Open quote, close quote. Esther never took my calls subsequently and they both simply retreated despite any overtures I made to them. So let's come to the lessons. There are obviously a lot of lessons as far as handling yourself when you're going through a real estate transaction is concerned. Just follow the process. That's the first thing I would say. Number two, read the signs clearly and respond accordingly. If a prospective client wants your services, make them earn it too. As a service provider, you have the right to determine who you can and cannot serve. Number three, no experience is wasted unless you didn't learn anything from it. I learned to be more discerning about who I want to serve and my business processes. So, number three, sorry, number four, give it your all, even when you're frustrated by the ones you're serving. You know, in the end, I take pride in knowing that this failure was not of my creation. Indeed, the failure was vindication for me. It didn't result from a bad attitude on my part. It didn't result from a lack of dedication on my part. In fact, I went far and beyond uh, the call of duty on this one. And I'm talking about when I was serving my clients. I failed myself and I learned that. Sometimes you will do your best and it will be appreciated. Understand that there is no reason to give anything less than your best. You know, it will pain you when you fail. It will pain you greatly in the short run, but your efforts will be affirmed and rewarded down the road if you keep at it. Again, I said this earlier, laugh at yourself and your situations, the situations that you find yourself in, especially when things are not going your way. It will help you maintain focus on why you started doing any of it in the first place. Good people, I hope that in sharing this experience, you guys have learned something new. I hope you learned something new about the property agency field. I hope you learned something new, possibly about your your host or this podcast, myself. I hope that 
sharing this experience translates translates into something meaningful for you in the course of your interactions with and especially with property agents who I think a lot of times in my own experience get really overlooked by the people that they endeavor to serve be more open minded your property agent is really trying to look out for your best interest so hopefully um you guys picked up some new knowledge from all this my prayer is that in sharing this experience in as much as it was a negative experience for me my hope is that you can take away the positives which i've also shared with you please remember when you're out there treat people with the dignity that they deserve be kind extending kindness extending uh, goodness towards other people sometimes doesn't even cost money it just comes at the price of you considering yourself to be no better than they are the fact that someone else may take the opportunity to take advantage of you does not necessarily give you the right to be either mean spirited or disaffected towards the work that they do so hopefully there was something in it for you today and my prayer is that as you go about your interactions remember to exercise just the better parts of your humanity thank you for listening good people that concludes this episode of the podcast we hope you learned something new send us any questions comments and feedback you may have including any topics of interest you may want to have featured here of course you know we'd be glad if you share this podcast with your friends rate it and leave us a review wherever you come across it and subscribe to get notified of upcoming episodes this goes a long way to support our work connect with us on our social media handles included in the description of this podcast do you have a story in the real estate space in kenya that can inspire inform and educate to feature as a guest please fill out our podcast guest form and tell us a little bit about yourself and the topics you would like to discuss we would love to hear from you so you just send us an email you know send us a whatsapp message and we shall pick up the conversation with you lastly you can support this production financially by contacting our marketing team to advertise on the podcast or through your generous giving by using the links in the description of this podcast thank you so much for your love and support we totally we totally appreciate it and catch you on the next episode bye